Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're thankful to have you here as a viewer and a listener. Don't forget to click like. And if you enjoy the content that you view today, make sure that you subscribe to the channel. We'll be grateful to have you come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central time, that is, because we are in Jefferson City, Missouri. We stream the show and we love to have you be a regular viewer and listener. All right. Let's get the show on the road. It's big brain time. You know what Wednesday means. Judge Andrew Napolitano will be in the house. And when I say in the house, I don't actually mean physically present, <laughs> but he will be on the show. He's from New Jersey, of course. He's going to be joining us live from New Jersey to give his libertarian take on the conflict in the Middle East. But I just want to say today that despite the fact that media coverage obviously has been blown out by this horrific tragedy and the assault on liberty in the Middle East, we are going to remember that there is still a life to live outside of these things. Yes, it's important. Yes, we're going to talk about it today, but we are also going to lighten the air just a little bit. It is important for us and our mental health, especially for those of us who are in the media or consume the media quite frequently, to take a break sometimes, especially go outside, touch grass, do something positive for your life. Don't focus too much on all of the negativity and the death and the violence and the hatred that we see online. So we are going to take a little bit of a detour this morning and we'll do a metaphorical dance on the grave of our enemies when we talk about how the Washington Post had to lay off 240 employees. What, Austin? Don't be happy about that, right? No, don't celebrate that. Well, there's some good news associated with that. With it's The legacy media is dying and that more shows like the Wake Up America show and blogs like the Libertarian Republic and others are eating into the mainstream media so much that, well, here's the thing. I don't even like to call it the mainstream media anymore because as you and I well know, the fact is, is that there are far more viewers, listeners, and readers to alternative media outlets, far more than there are to the mainstream media outlets. And I think Tucker Carlson and others have shown that. But frankly, the mainstream media hasn't taken notice. Advertisers have, however, and thankfully they've started to invest in shows like these, micro-influencers like myself and others who are uh, uh, building up their own audiences and sending out their own messages and starting to crowd out outlets like, well, the faux news, the fake news media, and certainly the Washington Post is at the top. Confession time, I do subscribe to the Washington Post and I have been a reader for the better part of a decade. However, I work in the news and I have to read it so that you don't have to. And I can tell you what the left is saying uh, because it is a leftist news outlet, as we all know. If you'd like to text the show today and let us know what's on your mind, send us a text at 573-319-1586. Again, I love it if you would just write the text line down and let us know what's on your mind. You can just set it up like you're texting a friend. That's the way to do it. Program my number in your phone. And just put in there AP or AP for Liberty. That way, whenever you watch the show and tune in in the mornings, you can send us the text messages and let us know what's on your in your mind and in your heart. 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586 is the text line. Grover Bentley over on Rumble this morning says all news outlets are leftist news outlets. Unfortunately, well, not all of them, right? We're here. Uh, Lucy So Kawaii, which means so cute in Japanese. We all know the BLM movement is siding with the innocent lives of both Palestine and Israel. They aren't supporting Hassam or corrupt Israeli forces. 
Well, see, that would be news to me, uh, Lucy, and uh, probably news to Black Lives Matter. I mean, I will be showing the um, the picture that they posted here in just a few minutes in support of the Hamas terrorists, uh, at least BLM Chicago, for example. Uh, again, don't forget, Texas Show, 573-319-1586. We appreciate uh, all of our viewers and listeners over at Rumble.com this morning. Let's give it up for Rumble. Click like. And subscribe to the channel here on Rumble if it's your first time tuning in. Camelia is joining us here, but she's hitting the road for Louisiana. As we all know, our good friend uh, Jamie Marie Pope will be joining us this weekend. Uh, no, she's joining us. Well, she'll be joining the legislature after this weekend, right? She's going to get elected. We appreciate Jamie Lee Marie Pope for her support for Liberty. She's an OG Cantina crew member. Uh, we're going to speak to Judge Andrew Napolitano this morning about the conflict in the Middle East, and then we're going to speak to combat veteran Matthew Mahler, who uh, is going to make his first appearance on the Wake Up America show. We're going to hear from him. The libertarian movement really exploded with rage uh, over the last few days with my outright, outright refusal to, <laughs> to support the Hamas terrorists. And for my claiming that uh, that they should move the babies out of the way before they go in and take out the terrorists, which is quite interesting, right? The, the pacifist anarchist movement of the libertarian movement has always been one of the louder factions of the of the liberty movement. Uh, and of course, they've been, it's amazing that they're so extremely hostile and aggressive for people who uh, uh, are pacifists. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. Matthew Muller and I will have a nice discussion about that. And we'll talk about Dave Smith going on the uh, warpath attacking me, virtue signaling to his audience looking for a little bit of applause and just in general, just being not funny. Now, I like Dave Smith, right? We've been acquaintances in the past. I, would say, I wouldn't say friends, but I would say acquaintances in the past. And I think Dave Smith does good work. However, I think that he really does buy into a lot of the anarchist retardation when it comes to, and I mean that pejoratively and literally, um, but the anarchist retardation when it comes to foreign policy. Because, of course, I, I'm not saying that Dave Smith is rooting for Putin, but when many of the anarchists aren't rooting for Putin, and many of them do, uh, quite clearly, when they're not supporting dictatorial regimes in Russia, again, not Dave Smith, for example, I'm not saying that he is, uh, but many of the people who claim to be anarchists or such are, and have openly stated that they support Putin, when they're, because he opposes the quote-unquote global homo agenda, if you will. But when they're not doing that, they're rooting for Hamas. Homos for Hamas, as I like to call them. <laughs> And really, that's a, a, an attack on those left-wing communist socialists on the streets of New York City who are like the liberal females, the liberal white females who, if you were to paradrop the liberal white females uh, into the Gaza Strip, would be beheaded by sunset. Uh, but no, I think that the anarchist retardation when it comes to their foreign policy positions just lies in, I, in, I believe, one person's um, one person's views and philosophies. And, and I think what people have done is they've outsourced their thinking to a few thought leaders. For example, uh, Scott Horton is, another, is a good example of that, which it's, it's fine to be anti-war and it's good to be anti-war. But I think ultimately the problem is that many of these people, they really do advocate for us to hammer our swords into, plow into plowshares. Uh, and we'll be talking about that a little bit later with Matt Mahler. But my beef with Dave Smith is just that I think he's outsourced his foreign policy thinking, I think, to Scott Horton. Really, he's just kind of like a clone of Scott Horton in some ways. Uh, and I think, you know, not that his other positions aren't good, but ultimately my argument is that people who fly the don't tread on me flag have a snake on their flag, but it has no teeth, right? 
there never is ever any understanding of how to actually fight back against tyranny. It's always, well, you have to wait until they kill you and then you can fight back or attack. Right? Like the word preemptive strike, for example, is a big trigger word for, uh, for anarchist libertarians. But I have to explain to them that preemptive means it comes before something, right? If you hammer up, ball up your fist and get ready to try and hammer me in the face, if I strike you first, that's a preemptive strike, meaning that it comes before something. It comes before you are getting ready to attack me, right? But have you violated the nap? Well, according to Rothbard, I think you have, which is a problem because, of course, by the time, you know, the NAP works for you and me, right? It allows me to shoot you after you shoot me, which doesn't make any sense. It's incoherent. But anyways, we're going to talk about that all this morning. I want to lighten the mood briefly. Let's just talk. Let's just... Can I, since it's Halloween spooky time, can we enjoy something a little bit funny? I just have this one clip I want to show you that I've been laughing about. Okay, here it is. Check this out. There's two little boys uh, going as Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton for Halloween. Take a listen. Are you Donald Trump? Yes, I am. You know. And I'm Hillary Clinton. Shut up. Anyway, we want this bag of candy. So, church to the rim. Are you Donald Trump? Yes, I am. You know. And I'm Hillary Clinton. Shut up. Anyway. We want this bag of candy so huge to the rim. Fill that bag of candy huge to the rim. I hope that kid gets his bag of candy filled. We appreciate that very much. Uh, what are you guys going as uh, for Halloween? Are you guys going to a Halloween party? We just got invited to one. I look forward to to uh, Halloween parties that are going to be coming up very soon. I'd love to hear from you what you're going to be planning on doing. Send us a text at 573 573- 319-1586. Let us know what you're doing. Send us a text at 573-319-1586. Um, interesting to hear. Rare Camellia says over the live stream, Spike did post what he would do, but so many of the anarchist takes don't have any plan as to what they would do in Israel's shoes. Completely agree. But here's the thing, and, and without getting too big brain just yet, because the judge is going to be coming on at 8 a.m., I've got an, an incredible like James Bond-like motorcycle chase of the terrorists, which is totally awesome. We're going to watch in just a moment. Um, but really, this is, in terms of philosophy, this is a, a question of a deontological approach versus a, um, a consequentialist approach. Because when I had Spike Cohen on my show the other day, which I highly recommend that you go back and you listen to Spike Cohen, he was on two days ago on this show, I asked him, you know, even though he's an anarchist, if he were to find himself to be the head of the Israeli government... Uh, at this moment, what would he do? Would he, one, dissolve the Israeli government immediately, which is according to anarchist principles, right? Or two, would he use the power of the Israeli military to defend Israeli people from these Hamas attacks? And his response was telling because he didn't say the deontological approach. He didn't say, I would dissolve the Israeli government if he had that power. He said, I would take control of the tanks, the planes, and he would go to war. So he became a warmonger, right? And I think that just, again, highlights the inconsistency of anarchist thought. And it shows that anarcho-capitalists are very much like anarcho-communists. Anarcho-communists, they're only anarchists today, until we can destroy the current government, and then they're tyrants as soon as they take power, right? As soon as the communists have destroyed the government, they take power. As soon as the anarcho-capitalists have destroyed the government, then they're going to take power, right? But I mean, even in this sense, you know, if Spike had said, I wanted to dissolve the, the, the federal government, then he would be taking a deontological approach. What does that mean, deontological? Well, it means that if you have an ideology or philosophy that you apply it 100% of the time, every time, 
if you take a consequentialist approach to libertarian views, then you say, okay, well, I'm going to look at it on a case-by-case basis, and I consider the consequences of each behavior. So what Spike has expressed is a consequentialist view, which is the same thing that I'm doing. It's just that people people have incoherency in their ideas. They don't know why they believe things. Some people believe things because they have cult views, right? They, it's, it's, they believe things because, and, and they look at uh, people like um, Scott Horton or Dave Smith or Spike or even myself, you know, they, they look at them as cult figures. Well, if they said it, this must be true. Now, I work very hard to not have cultish followers, right? Which is to my financial and personal detriment, right? It would be, you, you're, you're supposed to, as a public figure, build a cult following and people who say, do everything that you say no matter what. But I encourage free thinking and free thought amongst my followers. But a lot of people, they they fall into a cult mindset, even if I, I were to say, you know, don't follow me, you know, turn around and say, hey, you're <laughs> following the wrong guy. Think for yourself. Yes, we are the group cult of all people who all think for ourselves. We are the cult of individuals, right? It's just how people are. It's psychology and groupthink. And people fall into these patterns no matter what you do, even if you tell people to think for themselves. You know, arguments from authority, ad homonyms. This is the tool of most of the people who engage in cults cultish behavior. And that exists in our movement as much as any other movement. But if you are a deontological libertarian, meaning you always apply libertarian views, no matter what the situation is, the correct response was if you become the the head of the government of Israel, if you're an anarcho-capitalist, is to dissolve the government, right? Which I think most people would say is quite unreasonable. Anyway, speaking of the Israeli government, the Israeli police really got to give it up for this one. Have you ever uh, thought how awesome it would be to uh, whip out your Glock while you're riding a motorcycle and shoot a terrorist. Um, oh, really? Oh, well, today's your lucky day. Now you can see what it actually looks like. This is some video game shit. Take a look, look at this. This is the Israeli police uh, chasing down armed terrorists on Saturday. Take a look at this guy. Watch him whip out his Glock one-handed riding this motorcycle. Amazing. Damn, dude. All right. So, I mean, like, let's be honest. Give it up right there. Can you, you think you could... Is anybody out here riding motorcycles? I hear it's not easy to ride one-handed. I've rode, ridden motorbikes and stuff, but uh, I would never expect to be able to pull something like this off. I mean, you've got to be quite a badass. Look at this. One-handed. Not bad. Not bad. Not the easiest thing to do in the world. You know, just because you do that, good job. Just because you can do that in Grand Theft Auto doesn't mean that you can pull something like that off in real life. Good morning. If you're just tuning in the Wake Up America show, over 1,100 people here. Glad to have you here. Thank you, Rumble. I imagine we must be featured this morning. Thanks to our friend, Michael. We appreciate you very much, Michael. If you're tuning in and listening, all of our friends down in Sarasota, Florida, give it up to rumble.com for supporting free speech and shows like these, which defy mainstream narratives and are fighting back against censorship. Uh, if every time you click like and you subscribe to a Rumble channel like the one you're watching right now, you're helping to support free speech and the alternative news media. And the funny thing is, is that as I'm uh, um, uh, uh, in the alternative news media, I, I frequently consider myself the alternative to the alternative news media. But speaking of the mainstream media, take a listen to this news story. It couldn't have happened to a better periodical. The Wall Street, excuse me, the Washington Post is uh, laying off 240 employees. This is morning. This is what I'm reading this morning. The Washington Post is laying off 240 jobs, and it's not a lot of jobs in the Washington Post to be had, 240 employees in the hope of averting more difficult actions like layoffs, 
a situation which we're united in trying to avoid. So all they got, so they sent out an email yesterday. All eligible employees will be notified by mail if their position is included in the program and consider their severance packages. Uh, and they are hoping for some voluntary separations that will happen as well. So according to the New York Times, the Washington Post is set to lose $100 million in 2023. Um, the Washington Post $100 million and the outlet has struggled to increase paying subscribers um since 2020 which peaked at uh which peaked at 3 million the outlet now has around 2.5 million so the outlet announced that it laid laid off 20 newsroom employees and would keep an additional 30 vacant roles fulfills um interesting huh. let's see here choo, 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 choo. um uh, excuse me i'm sorry i'm getting a, an important text here I apologize for that um but so in terms of the alternative media, what we are right here at rumble.com and for, um, when I say we, but you know, the part of the rumble family, perhaps if you will, uh, what we are doing here is forging new paths and giving customers, which is what people who read and consume news media actually want. You have to understand how many of these mainstream news media organizations work. Some of them offer operate on a, a for-profit model. Some of them operate on a nonprofit model. Now, you have to be really careful about the nonprofit model one specifically because when you look at a nonprofit periodical, and both approaches have their, their strengths and weaknesses, the nonprofit news model could be one single millionaire or billionaire who wants to own a newspaper, you know, think Citizen Kane, if you will, for example, or, you know, Reason Magazine, for example, right? They, they do have lots of donors, but for the most part, it's a, a love letter, a passion project amongst people who are committed to spreading these ideals that are the ones that are spread by Reason Magazine. And I read Reason Magazine all the time and, and, and appreciate the periodical, but it's a nonprofit model versus, say, the Libertarian Republic, my news website, as well as um, the show, this Wake Up America show that you're watching, we operate on a for-profit model. And personally, I see the strengths, the, the, the benefits to both. I chose a for-profit model because one, I think the ideas of capitalism, the ones that I espouse, should live or die on a capitalistic model to a large extent. Um, it shouldn't be on a non-profit model to some extent. I do think that Reason does a good job and, and certainly they, they should be applauded for their hard work over the years in spreading the ideas of liberty. And there are a lot of things that they do far better than I do. So I'm not you know conveying any sense of superiority in, in myself at all, just the, that I do believe that a, a for-profit model for news and journalism is better. But the, pro the problem with that is, the caveat is, is that there is always the danger of corruption. It exists also in nonprofit models, but consider that when advertisers, for example, let's say that an advertiser is advertising the local news, but they also are dumping toxic sludge in the river down the street and, you know, potentially poisoning people. How can, how can a journalist run a news article that's critical of that and the reports on that, honestly, if they're being paid by the, uh, the corporation that's paying for them for their advertising, literally keeping them in business, right? So those are the real issues that we face. But for the, Wall for the Washington Post, for example, this is a good example of how they aren't even giving the, Amer the American people what they want. And a lot of these nonprofit institutions, nonprofit uh, uh, journalistic institutions, The Guardian is a good example in the UK. They have almost no readership, and they're entirely funded by liberal billionaires, leftist billionaires, just to advance an agenda. Now, Reason Magazine operates on that same thing. I just happen to agree with their principles and their views. 
But the Washington Post can't even serve its customer base correctly, right? They, if they operate on a for-profit model and subscriptions, they're operating like an activist institution, in which case, if they're going to operate as an activist institution, they should just be a nonprofit and go out and seek donations from leftist billionaires who support them. But since they're unable to keep up with the times, and, I, and here's the thing, I worked in television and I've worked in radio, and I can tell you one thing, that the old legacy media institutions, they are heavily resistant to change. They do not keep up with the times. If you see a radio station and they're actually doing it, moving and shaking things on social media, that is the that is the exception rather than the rule, right? And and they're not paying attention to what's happening in alternative media, even though alternative media is eating their lunch. Tucker Carlson is a perfect example of this. And speaking of Tucker Carlson, going back to the Middle East con, uh, um, uh, the Middle East topic, I really enjoyed Tucker Carlson's discussion the other night about what is to be done with the conflict in the Middle East. I'm going to play that clip for you here in just a moment. Uh, but for those of you who are skeptical, I, I saw uh, some of our friends uh, over in the Rumble live stream were skeptical about the BLM support of Hamas. Here's the official BLM Chicago account. And here you can see I stand with Palestine. Excuse me. The um, the see this picture here. So uh, here we have um, a picture of a paratrooper which, you know, a bit of a, of a misunderstanding here. So the Palestinians didn't actually drop paratroopers in. What they did was they came in on uh, parachuted, they were called paragliders, if you will. And the interesting thing to this Reader's Act, adding context to this, the Palestinian terror group Hamas used armed gunmen and paragliders to enter a rave in Israel to kill over 260 innocent people partying at the rave. Previous to this incident, Palestinians were not known for paragliding. So here we are. But they are clearly, BLM Chicago is clearly advocating for acts of terrorism by showing them that they not only do they stand with Palestine, which is one thing on its own to say that you support the people of Palestine. That might be you know, the, something that we could debate, but it's not saying necessarily that you support terrorism. But when you're showing something like this, what you're indicating here is you actually support the acts of terrorism that Hamas has been carrying out. And this is a fascinating situation because I'm going to Are you pull done? this up for you. Uh, I'm going to pull this up for you. This is a, a painting or a little a cartoon that I shared the other day. Take a look at this. This one got quite a bit of attention. As you can see here, we have the left liberal white female here. She's got her free Palestine sign here with the little gay pride flag here homos for hamas and there they have the the free palestine thing and here's the hamas terrorist taking a look here oh looking at the lovely and here she's you can see now she's dropped her sign she's got her communist her her gay communist symbol here on and she's she just got all hearts and flowers here with the hamas fighter and then she moves out of frame and boom off with her head oops And here's my question, and this, is, this isn't just a rhetorical question. I'd love to have somebody out there answer it. Again, you can text the show at 573-319-1586. Answer me this. Do you think that the, the homos for Hamas and that the, uh, the leftists in New York City, the liberal females in New York City, do you think that they know that Hamas would murder them? <laughs> Do you think they know that or are they ignorant 
or is it is it something else? I, here's that's what I'm trying to understand I, because I just I can't get in. I try and get inside the leftist mindset on this, but obviously I I'm not retarded, so I I can't do that. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Help me understand this. Why are leftists, communists, liberal females? Why are the homos for Hamas? Why do they support people who obviously would murder them if given the chance? Right? Why would they do that? I, I I don't understand how you could support ideologically a terror group who would happily chop your head off if you happen to be there in the Middle East. Right? It it doesn't make any sense to me. But I mean, I, I've got to hear from you on this. What you think it is? Are they stupid? Are they evil? Yes and yes. Right? Both. Send us a text five seven three. 319-1586. Again, you can text the show at 573-319-1586. Now, where's America first in all of this? Because as we see the rush to war, despite the fact that uh, pacifist anarchists of the libertarian movement think that I'm some kind of bloody warmonger for suggesting that Israel has the right to defend itself or that an individual has the right to defend herself, because of course, the pacifist anarchist default position is that you must commit suicide uh, immediately upon being threatened by anyone. But where are the uh, the right wing America first agenda people, right? Everybody's for America first until it's time to do America first shit. And what do I mean when I say it's time to do America first shit? I mean that you can offer what Vivek Ramaswamy said, you can offer uh, ideological support, you can offer moral support, and you can offer uh, the kind of support that uh, to Israel, you can offer the um, the moral support and diplomatic support, but the question of financial support or military support that crosses a line. That's not America first. Now, before I play the Tucker Carlson clip, which I think he really articulated a good America first policy position the other night, let's take a look at Rashida Tlaib, who flew the hum- the uh, Palestinian flag outside of her door the other day. Watch this. Watch this coward run away. Terrorists have cut off babies' heads and burned children alive. Do you support Israel's rights to defend themselves against the brutality? We're just going to go through here. You can't comment about Hamas terrorists chopping off babies' heads? You better run, squirrel. Congresswoman, do you have a comment on Hamas terrorists chopping off babies' heads? Do you have a comment on that? You have nothing to say. What's, what are you afraid of? Here's, if you're, here's the thing. You're so proud. You're so proud to display the Palestinian flag. You must obviously have something to say about this. What you, you can't condemn the acts of terrorism that Hamas is engaging in? Well, they don't because, of course, they're like Black Lives Matter and they support these acts of terrorism. See, they stand with Palestine. But what, when they say they stand with Palestine, this is what they actually mean. They actually mean they do support acts of terrorism. Am I wrong? Am I off base? Again, send us a text at 573-319-1586. Again, you can text the show and let us know what's on your mind at any time, night or day, at 573-319-1586. One listener did text in and say they see Hamas as a culturally oppressed group. You are an oppressed or an oppressor. There is no in-between. That's a great response. 
One listener says that they're going to a Halloween party as a white liberal woman, or they're going to go to the party with your government shirt. That's a great idea. Have you seen our government is scary tees? We've also got no lives matter tees over at ap4libertyshop.com. We are capitalists after all over here, not communists. Make sure you get those orders in this week so you can get them in time for Halloween at ap4libertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, ap4libertyshop.com. There you go, Michael Myers. All right, so let's hear from the America First Coalitions. Let's hear from Tucker Carlson. I didn't get to play this clip the other night, but I actually think that Tucker Carlson probably articulated one of the better, more America First style foreign policy responses to this, as well as Vivek Ramaswamy. Of all of the presidential candidates that have articulated a policy towards Israel in the few, last few days, the only one that I've heard articulate an America first policy has been Vivek Ramaswamy. And of course, you know, Tucker's not running for president, but let's hear what he had to say. ...being murdered at a music festival in southern Israel without feeling horrified. It's awful, and there's no excusing it. No matter what you think of Israel's policies in Gaza, you are not allowed to shoot people at music festivals. That's a crime. Israel has a right to respond to that crime and to defend itself. No one seriously contests that. The question for American policymakers, however, is what do we do next? How do we represent the interests of the United States in this chaotic moment? That's not a selfish question. It's the whole point of making policy for a country to improve and protect that country. If you serve in the U.S. Congress or in the executive branch of government, you have a moral duty to think this way. It's your job. You serve the United States and its population. You have no moral authority except to the extent that you represent your fellow Americans. Boom, right there. Okay, right. So this is probably the best articulation of an America first mindset that I've heard from this yet. He and Vivek Ramaswamy. Let's That's continue. Our system. It used to be obvious, but it's worth remembering now because the conflict between Israel and Hamas could escalate into a war between Iran and its allies and the West. Once a war like that starts, you could easily imagine the use of nuclear weapons and all that entails. Millions dead, the collapse of the global economy. At the very least, you could see an unprecedented energy crisis here. Already gas in one Bay Area service station hit $7.29 a gallon over the weekend. If that trend worsens and persists, the United States, which is already, technically speaking, bankrupt, would plunge Thank into you. depression. And no, it would not be like the 1930s. Close to 10 million people have come here over the last three years from the poorest places in the world. The overwhelming majority of them are on some form of federal subsidies. You wonder how that's going to work out when the U.S. government runs out of money. So there's a lot at stake in how we encourage Israel to respond to the horrifying Hamas attack. Wisdom and long-term thinking are essential, but you will not be surprised to learn that is not what we are getting. Oh, shit, right? The American people are in an economic situation right now that is deeply precarious. For those of you who may not be looking at the car market right now, I am personally shopping around for new vehicles, and at this point, all I'm doing right now is just monitoring prices and because I have seen the market right now. In order for people to be able to cover monthly payments, the interest rates uh, on vehicles make it such that it doesn't make a lot of sense for banks to finance car loans at this point because in order to get 
the which what the American the average monthly payment that an American can afford at this point is somewhere in the range of like four to five hundred dollars. That that's about the average, right? But the average payment that Americans are paying right now on their car loans is about seven hundred dollars a month. And many Americans are paying far more than seven hundred dollars a month when it comes to their car loans. And and what's happening now is that for people to be able to get a a car that they can afford at around a four hundred dollar a month or so payment. They have to buy an eight-year-old car. Well, an eight-year-old car probably has about eighty to hundred thousand miles on it, and if they drive that car on average about fifteen thousand miles a year, a bank isn't going to want to finance a car that's going to break down and then give you how many? What a six-year note, something like that, to be able to finance a vehicle that's already eight years old. It doesn't make any financial sense. So we are in for a huge financial reckoning here in the United States, not just in the car market. But in other markets as well, the housing market as well. Has anyone taken a look at what's happening with the housing market right now, the car market, the housing market? The United States is in deep trouble right now. And at the moment, everybody's completely enraptured, at least our policymakers, before Israel was attacked by Hamas, where was all of our time and energy and money going? It was going to this stupid conflict in Ukraine, which has nothing to do with the United States. So I'm glad that at least Tucker Carlson or somebody is articulating the ideas of America first. We have real problems here in the United States that we should be focused on those but financially, militarily. We should be focused here in the United States on America first. It isn't to say that we can't be paying attention. We can't walk and chew gum at the same time. At the same time, it's not to say that we can't offer moral support to Israel or that we shouldn't offer diplomatic support to Israel or even intelligence support to Israel, but financial, military support, no. And and here's the thing, you know, if, if there's a criticism to be leveled at Israel and all this, it's that the, the, the huge intelligence fa- uh, failure that they didn't see this coming, right? And it just goes to show our intelligence agencies in the United States and Israel and the, these first world countries, they're really just DMV for spies, right? They're just as incompetent, just in a completely different way as any other government bureaucracy. Watch this person, for example, who happens to be the media's pick for president of the United States. This is not just an attack on Israel. This is an attack on America because they hate us just as much. And what we have to understand is this is the reason that we have to unite around making sure our enemies do not hurt our friends. America can never be so arrogant to think we don't need friends, just like we needed them on 9-11. That's why Ukraine needs us when Russia's doing this. That's why Israel needs us when Hamas and Iran are doing this. And I'll say this to, to Prime Minister Netanyahu, finish them. Finish them. Hamas yeah. did this. You know Iran's behind it. Dude, there is Shia. No, thank you. No, thank you. Anybody out there going to be voting for Nikki Haley no, for president of the United States? No, God, please, no. Jesus. No. Good morning no. to the 2,066 people watching us live this morning. Welcome to the Wake Up America show. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. We're grateful and glad to have you here. Do me a favor. Click like on the stream right now and subscribe to the channel. If it's your first time watching us live every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central, the Wake Up America show goes live. We fight for the principles of economic freedom, personal liberty and limited government. Now, don't be surprised if it's your first time here watching the show, if you're very confused by the things that you hear me saying. And if you have a really hard time nailing down my ideology, I consider myself a libertarian Republican. But 
That's not to say that I am some kind of strict, rigid ideologue or a purist in any way, sense of the term. I consider myself a hardcore libertarian to an extent, but I'm not retarded, right? So what happens when in my mind may sometimes blow yours? But here's the thing. What I, when I say from day to day, what I do is I follow the, the precepts of, of Ralph Waldo Emerson, who says that, you know, speak what you believe in hard words today, though it may contradict everything you said yesterday. Oh, you are sure to be misunderstood then. Well, is it so wrong to be misunderstood? Wasn't every great and pure creature who lived on this planet misunderstood? Pythagoras was misunderstood. Galileo, Copernicus was misunderstood. Jesus, all misunderstood. Is it so wrong then to be misunderstood? I say, speak what you believe today. Like it's it's important for us to be to be great is to be misunderstood. If for for me to bastardize Ralph Waldo Emerson, there, give it up to Ralph Waldo Emerson. So I want to invite you to come and stay and watch the Wake Up America show. I am an acquired taste, if you will. Typically, people come in and they're kind of like, it's the first time you try like a new flavor of coffee, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I like that. Maybe I don't like that, right? But then you keep drinking it, right? Because it's the, you know, it's the people have told you that it's really good coffee, right? And then after like the third or fourth sip, you're like, oh, I can actually, actually, that's that's pretty good coffee. That's that's kind of like me. I'm an acquired taste. So don't be surprised if the ideas that you hear me say today, you might recoil at initially, but then tomorrow you might be like, oh, wow, that Austin Peterson, he's an interesting guy. Uh, definitely come back and join us again tomorrow because we are Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Central. Click that like and subscribe. All right. So anybody out there voting for Nikki Haley? Any evil? <laughs> <laughs> hardcore interventionist neocons right and i got called a neocon 25 50 times yesterday by a retarded pacifist pacifist anarchist so it's funny that i am here criticizing uh nikki haley most retarded libertarian anarchists don't know what a neocon is they think any time anybody who owns a gun and might consider using it to defend themselves as a neocon right yes i'm being hyperbolic but to a large extent right being a pacifist they don't want other people to engage in self-defense either because they don't believe in self-defense but a neocon literally means that you want to go and make the world safe for democracy and use the power of the American government militarily and financially to support countries like Israel and engage in interventionist wars in the Middle East, get involved in conflicts like Ukraine, et cetera, et cetera. That's the neocon position of which none of those things have I advocated for. I have advocated for Israel being able to defend itself against terrorism and for having a U.S. military such as the one created by Thomas Jefferson, like the U.S. Navy, on hand, ready to defend American interests militarily if necessary. That's not neocon. That's a minarchist libertarian Republican. Let's continue here from neocon Nikki and what she thinks the right way to go is with Israel Hamas. Listen to a real neocon talk. They should have hell to pay for what they've just done. This was an attack on America, she says, when in fact it was not. And for right. that reason, we must, quote, finish Iran, a nation of nearly 90 million people. What are we watching here? This is not sober leadership. She's a child, and this is the tantrum of a child. Ignorance, yes. cocksure, bloodthirsty. Thank you. Yet no one in Washington scolded her for it. In fact, they aped her hysteria. Here's fellow neocon Lindsey Graham just spelling it out and calling for the bombing of Iran. There it is. So I've been on the phone all day to the Mideast, and I've told our allies and people with connections to Iran what I would do. I would tell Iran that if Hezbollah attacks Israel, we're going to come after you, the Iranians, and have a coordinated effort between the United States and Israel to put Iran out of the oil business by destroying their refineries. There are four major refineries in Iran. They're fixed targets. Uh, if Hezbollah attacks Israel, I would make Iran pay a heavy price. 
What exactly would happen to the United States if we declared war on Iran and started blowing up their infrastructure? Yeah. Lindsey Graham has no clue what would happen. He hasn't thought it through. And he doesn't give a shit. He's 70 years old and he has no children. He doesn't care. But not... Why doesn't he have any children? <laughs> I know, I know what you're saying. Shut up, Greta. Rather amazingly do most of his colleagues in Washington. They're as reckless as he is. Texas Congressman Dan Crenshaw took to social media to call for what he described as a war to end all wars, as if there is such a thing. Right. But of course, there isn't such a thing. Wars beget more war. The bigger the conflict, the uglier and longer lasting the consequences. See World War I for details. These are not complex observations, but they seem lost on our leadership class. Alone among candidates running for the Republican nomination for president, Vivek Ramaswamy dared to suggest that actually going exactly. to war with Iran might not be in America's national interest. God bless Vivek Ramaswamy. And that's why I'm really rooting for Vivek to be uh, Donald Trump's vice presidential pick. I, I think that Vivek should be would be the best vice presidential pick. Send us a text and let us know, who do you think Donald Trump should choose for his vice presidential candidate? You can text the show at 573-319-1586. Again, you can text the show and let us know what's on your mind at 573-319-1586. Now, Barry Weiss, as most of you know, has been a very, very hardcore free speech advocate in recent years. She's been fighting online against censorship on big tech platforms. Uh, and of course, she's a Jewish woman, so she has uh, weighed in on the conflict with um, uh, on an interview that she did on Morning Joe on MSNBC, where she talks, she's sort of setting the record straight here when it comes to the massacre that Hamas has has initiated in the Middle East. Let's hear from reporter Barry Weiss. This is the biggest massacre of the Jewish people since the Holocaust, but unlike the Holocaust, in which the Germans tried to hide their war crimes. It took the Allies, remember, years to uncover all that the Nazis did. Here we have people streaming it on real time, on TikTok, on live stream, and on Instagram. A message just went out to parents all over the state of Israel, begging them to delete the apps from their children's phones because Hamas has warned that it is going to live stream the execution of hostages and they don't want their children seeing it. I want to tell you just a few stories of some of the people that I've been speaking to in Israel, people who are desperate for their family members to come home. I spoke yesterday morning to uh, interesting that she said that she uh, notes that the Nazis tried to hide their war crimes. Hamas is live streaming there. So where is the libertarian movement in all of this? Well, as usual, with their head heads in the sand. There has to be some kind of a middle ground between the Nikki Haley's of the world and the pacifist, pacifist anarchist position, which argues that any self-defense is a violation of the non-aggression principle. And if you think I'm being hyperbolic, I mean, there is a mountain of extremely disappointing tweets and that are, that are mischaracterizations of the conflicts. One of the ones that I got yesterday is, is from a friend, or I guess I should just say acquaintance if I'm being completely uh, uh, literal here. But Spike Cohen and I, who, he came on the show a couple of days ago and we debated this. Um, this is what I posted because my arguments have been that 
Israel has the right to defend itself. And in doing so, they should let they should drop the LeMay leaflets. For those of you who don't know what the LeMay leaflets were, when the United States was at war with Imperial Japan, they would frequently, before they would bomb Japanese cities, they would be they would drop what were we became known as LeMay leaflets. For example, I can actually pull up some picture of them, pictures of them. You won't be able to read them because they're in Japanese, but these were warning leaflets to the Japanese people to let them know that their cities were about to be bombed. Now, imagine, are, is the, isn't this the behavior? If, if you're going to look at, for example, uh, a Murray Rothbard quote yesterday, where he says, clearly that one side has, bears more responsibility for wars. I'll find that quote for you here in just a moment. But you can see here, these are what's known as LeMay leaflets. So what they would do, and it was you know named after Curtis LeMay, who was the head of the uh, Air Force, you know, before the Air Force was the Air Force, it was attached to the Army. Uh, and you can see here, these are LeMay leaflets, where they would drop these leaflets over Japanese cities to let them know that they were coming. Well, here we can see the IDF has been uh, engaging in a bombing campaign, and they are texting those people an hour before the bombing occurs, letting them know that there is going to be a bombing. They're, so they're texting them an hour before the bombs drop. So this is what I've been saying, essentially, because the anar pacifist anarchist wing of the liberty movement had been saying things like, oh, well, you're going to kill babies. The collateral damage is going to kill babies. It's murder. Collateral damage is murder. No, it's not, you stupid retards. There, if you kill someone in a car accident, it's called involuntary manslaughter. That's what it, collateral damage at, at worst is involuntary manslaughter. There's a difference between first-degree murder, which is what Hamas is doing to babies, and collateral damage, which is, at again, at worst, involuntary manslaughter. There's, it doesn't make me a neocon to differentiate between types of killing. If there's murder one, there's murder two, and I think there even might be a murder three, but I can't remember what that one is. But, and then there's manslaughter, there's, there's voluntary manslaughter, and then there's involuntary manslaughter, right? And you don't get charged the same for an involuntary manslaughter. If you're on your cell phone and you accidentally run over somebody's kid, that could be considered voluntary manslaughter because you chose to be distracted. But if, for example, somebody starts shoot, you know, shooting or whatever in the streets and you get distracted for a legitimate reason and you accidentally hit someone, that might be involuntary manslaughter right? Murder one is I'm going to plan some uh, a murder and I'm going to plan to murder this person. And then there's murder in the second degree, which is I was really angry because I caught my wife in bed cheating with another man and I killed them both in the heat of the moment. So that is my problem with the liberty movement is that there is no understanding of nuance when it comes to not only foreign policy, but they don't even understand the laws of the United States. So we're going to have this discussion this morning. We're going to talk about it with Judge Napolitano, who's a judge, who's going to be able to give his opinion as a jurist. And of course, he's a very strict anti-war person himself. And then we're going to hear from combat veteran Matthew Mahler, who's going to be joining us this morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time for his very first appearance on the Wake Up America show. And it, with 2,414 people live, I am extremely eternally grateful. Ah, oh, thank you very much for watching the Wake Up America show. But when I see tweets like these from friends like my like uh, acquaintances, like Spike Cohen, take a look at this scenario that he set up, because here's what I said. 
Uh, have I got it pulled up on the screen? Yes, I do. So I said, they're texting them an hour before they bomb. Literally what I've been saying all morning is, the, is that they, it, it's a good thing. This shows that the Israelis are the good guys in this conflict. They are. They, are, they have the moral high ground. But here's Spike Cohen it, with a rhetorical situation or a, um, what do you call it, a hypothetical situation that I think really just doesn't make sense. And I think shows that there is this desire to suspend their belief in reality. It's a suspension of reality that people engage in in order to maintain their views or what they might consider their principles, which I think just shows that there's, and not, I don't think Spike is retarded in a literal sense. I mean, it, it, it's his views on this are retarded, meaning slowed down because of he's dragged down by an ideology. He's attempting to approach it from a deontological view when he really needs a consequentialist one. He says, imagine if the FBI texted you, hey, Austin, you live next to a terrorist. In an hour, we're going to destroy your neighborhood. Okay, well, pause for just a moment. Spike, here's the problem, brother. We're not talking, this, this situation is not analogous, okay? We're not talking about being attacked by your own government. This situation would make sense if Hamas was attacking its own people, or if Israel was attacking its own people. When you're saying the FBI is telling me that they're going to attack me and blow up my home an hour before they, they blow up my home, you're talking about an act of terrorism committed by a government against its own people, not an act of terrorism committed by a terrorist group against a foreign nation state and their people, right? So the situation is not an out. So already the premise is flawed, but let's continue. And he says, before you do the war is hell, emotional bypass that you use to justify one side's actions, but not the others. Just imagine that scenario for a moment. Okay, I'm imagining it, Spike. I'm imagining that the FBI is going to conduct a pre-dawn raid and they're going to bomb my house. Okay, my own government is attacking me. What? A, it's not analogous, right? What would you take with you before you lost everything? Guns, ammo, photos, cell phone, wife. Uh, <laughs> notice what order I said that in. Gold. Um, the uh maybe yeah maybe laptop and uh some photos did i say that uh, my favorite shirt uh, my ron swanson shirt and i would probably take um yeah but that's probably it right would you even take anything or spend that hour making sure everyone else in your neighborhood was in the shower taking a nap or charging their dead phone when their text came I mean, it's hard to say, right? Like, you know, we're talking about the FBI here. So they're not all exactly. I mean, I live in a very heavily armed and well-defended neighborhood. <laughs> I imagine that I could probably spark an uprising. So are we going to get bombed here? Again, see, these 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 hypotheticals are just ridiculous. And And what it is, is it's just a desire to maintain an ideology rather than taking a, a, a consequentialist approach to these problems. He's taking a deontological approach to these ideas. But I want to hear your thoughts on this one. Do you think that Spike is in the right and I'm in the wrong? Because some people have said that. They said Spike is right and I'm wrong. Well, how could Spike be right if he's literally talking about the FBI, which is my own government attacking me, and comparing it to Israel fighting back against terrorists? And Hamas, it doesn't make any sense. This is why we need to be having these discussions and debates because. I just feel as if libertarians have really missed the mark when it comes to foreign policy. That is when many of them, and some of them definitely have come out openly in support of dictatorial regimes and in support of Hamas while claiming to be libertarians, of course, which makes no sense. You can text the show with your thoughts on this one. I'm open to changing my mind, and I'd love to hear from you. Send me a text at 573-319-1586. That's 573 
319-1586 is the text line. And we'd love to have you come back and join us. Click that like button and subscribe to the channel that you're watching us on right now. We'd love to have you come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. All right. Well, speaking of Jews, the uh, sponsor of the show is our friends over at Lear Capital. Gold and silver. Buy some for your smoking hot, redheaded, libertarian Jewish wife like mine. Just teasing. We do have a sense of humor on the show. We try and lighten things up. There really isn't anything that I don't think you can't poke a little bit of fun out. I think everything really is up for a little bit of comedy, a little bit of satire. But if you can't afford it, I understand. However, one of the best ways to secure your financial future is to call our friends over at Lear Capital. 1-800-885-2175. That's 1-800-885-2175. If you want to get a $500 account credit now, if you've got a little money sitting around and you're saying to yourself, I don't want to lose value in inflation to the Federal Reserve, call this number today. 1-800-885-2175. If you visit this website, LearAustin.com, I know some people are phone averse. They don't want to talk to people, but you don't get the $500 account credit that way. You can get more information on how to invest in gold and silver from our friends at Lear Capital. They'll send you all of their offerings and you can make a decision about whether it's right for you. But if you want to go ahead and lock in that account credit, give them a call today. 1-800-885-2175. Again, that's 1-800-885-2175. We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. All right. Well, when we get back, Judge Andrew Napolitano is the man. And he is going to have a nice little Israel Hamas debate. We'll hear from his thoughts on that. He's very anti-war himself. When we, when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning. Rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're glad and grateful to have you here. Today is Wednesday, October the 11th. And since you know it's Wednesday, you know what that means. It's big brain time. Every Wednesday since the Wake Up America show has started, my good friend Judge Andrew Napolitano has made his regular appearances on the show. And we call it big brain time because not only do we hit the big news of the day, but we get into very intense philosophical discussions from a libertarian viewpoint about these issues that you do not hear anywhere else, save perhaps his own podcast. He's got the Judging Freedom podcast, which has been a runaway hit since it started. You can also read his weekly column at JudgeNap.com, my hero, and he used to call me the right side of his brain, Judge Andrew Napolitano. <laughs> we work together on Freedom Watch. Good morning, Judge. It's nice to see your smiling face today. Oh, Austin, it's a pleasure. Thank you for the gracious and generous introduction. And if we work together every day, I'm, I'm sure you would still be the right side of my brain. But uh, our brains are uh, always in, in sync, and it's a joy to work with you, even when the times are gloomy and the stories are difficult to cover. These are dark times, Judge, not only economically here in the United States. And I do want to talk to you a little bit about not only the history of the America first position, but as it stands today in comparison to modern politics with the the words of uh, a young Vivek Ramaswamy saying that we should not be getting involved with a, in a fight with Iran while Nikki Haley and Lindsey Graham are advocating for us to bomb Iran in light of these circumstances. But I, I want to talk to you as well about the libertarian movement and where it stands and in regards to these issues. But first, if I could judge, get a broad overview from you your reaction to the uh, the surprise attack by the uh, the Hamas terrorists against the Israeli dance festival? What was your initial reaction to this? 
Well, my initial reaction was one of horror. Uh, my next reaction was how could the most respected and effective intelligence service in the world, the Mossad, and the second and third most effective and respected, MI6 and British and CIA, uh, have missed this. How could, how could they not have known about this? I mean, the Israelis have spies on the ground. They have listening posts all over the place. Uh, this involved the coordination of thousands of human beings by land, sea, and air, and the Israelis were caught uh, totally flat-footed. It's, it's hard for me to understand how, how that could uh, have happened. Um, my other reaction is, I'll quote the Old Testament, you sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind. You uh, suppress the humanity of a group, you steal their uh, land, you enslave them, you uh, apartheid them, you treat them like not even citizens worthy of uh, life, and these things, and these things happen. These things should be uh, expected. I don't justify the violence. It's horrific. I wish it hadn't happened. I wish that not a single person's innocent uh, blood uh, had been shed. But uh, the Israeli government should have seen this coming and should have known what was festering there uh, because of the way uh, it treats the Palestinians. And some people think of these intelligence agencies as somehow superhuman, but I like to describe them as really just the DMV for spies, right? They're, they're, they're prone and subject to the same problems of bureaucracies that the the more mundane institutions suffer from as well, aren't they, Judge? Well, more or less, yes. In the in the Mossad case, they have, um, and the same with the Israeli military, which which once was well respected and now uh, looks uh, sloppy and uh, disorganized. The Russian military is far superior to it. If you were to compare the two, you know, it's apples and oranges in terms of the size of the uh, population. Um, however, the Mossad relies, and the Israeli military rely too much on AI, uh, on computers to do thinking and to make uh, decisions and even uh, launch and, and, and maneuver uh, defensive uh, positions rather than uh, old-fashioned uh, human uh, intelligence. This is a, a tremendous tendency uh, in the uh, Israeli uh, government. Um, so it should not be a surprise what happened. It was one of the most uh, effective, um, secret, well-executed uh, military maneuvers in modern history, and it will be studied uh, for generations at West Point and, and at other uh, military academies uh, around the world. I mean, there's no way that Hamas can ultimately prevail, whatever ultimately prevail uh, means, uh, but they certainly made their wrath known. They will succeed in driving a a Prime Minister Netanyahu and his insane um, a coalition that doesn't even believe the many of them that don't even believe the Palestinians are humans uh, from office. Now, here's what, here's what, oh, if, you, if you if you if you intentionally assault civilians, you cut off their water, their electricity, 
their food, that's a war crime. Just as what Hamas did, although Hamas is not a government, so that's a regular crime as opposed to a war crime. But the point is you cannot attack non-belligerents, even if belligerents are hiding among them. Here's what I don't understand, Judge. Um, There's got to be some kind of middle ground between interventionist neoconservatism, bomb them all, and a pacifist anarchism that argues that there there isn't even a grounds for self-defense, like turn the other cheek. There has to be some kind of a middle ground in in between this, right? I mean, for example, let me finish just very briefly, and then I want you to respond. In the United States, there's a difference between murder in the first degree and involuntary manslaughter. If a government, Hamas is committing murder in the first degree by intentionally targeting and murdering civilians, women and children, you know, innocent concert goers, right? The Israelis, by contrast, are dropping, well, I call them the LeMay leaflets, like in World War II, when they would drop leaflets over cities before they were bombed. They, they, they warn civilians before they attack an area, and then they issue the attack. To me, that is the difference between first-degree murder and manslaughter, but I frequently hear many of my anarchist friends using the terms murder interchangeably with this concept of collateral damage, which Jacob Hornberger has said is a horrible, terrible thing, but it's not the same thing as murder in the first degree. Am I incorrect? No, you're not. Uh, you're not incorrect. Uh, but part of this, again, is the uh, public policy of the Israeli uh, government. Uh, the 26 uh, villages and kibbutzes uh, close to the Gaza border, which no longer exist, were unarmed. I mean, look at the Warsaw, Warsaw Ghetto. They held off the Nazis for weeks because they were armed. They might have held them off forever if we had gotten more uh, arms. Uh, to them. The same creeps in uh, Congress that want to arm Ukrainian civilians, Ukrainian civilians want to disarm us and haven't even addressed the issue of why weren't the Israelis armed. You can be a pacifist and still be armed. A crazy person comes at you with a knife, you better use something stronger than a knife to stop him or you're going to die. Plain and simple. And your children will die. If you don't understand uh, that message, get the heck out of the business of complaining when these things happen. So my understanding of pacifism is the the literal definition means that you won't even defend yourself if you're attacked, that you will that you completely eschew the idea of violence entirely. And I see that as a legitimate form of libertarianism. Quakers, for example, and their you know, our uh, friend and economist, Bob Murphy, for example, he considers himself to be an anarcho-capitalist and a pacifist who says that he specifically would not use violence even in retaliatory defense in line with the non-aggression principle. That, that is unnatural not to use violence to protect yourself. If someone's about to punch you in the nose, it is unnatural not to stop them. That's a preemptive someone strike. Is about to harm your, someone is about to harm your children, it is unnatural for you not to step in i love bob on economy but he has the non-aggression principle and the natural right to self-defense and the obligation to stay alive in reverse 
so many anarchists argue for the zero aggression principle, which uh, it really is that pacifism, uh, in that, as I've indicated. Uh, let me briefly reset. We do have a lot of people who join us live. If you're just tuning in now, I'm your host, Austin Peterson of the Wake Up America show. I'm speaking to the great Judge Andrew Napolitano, who's joining us now. He's the host of the Judging Freedom podcast. We hope that you'll click like and subscribe to the channel if you like the content that you're hearing now and join us every Monday through Friday. And if you like Judge Knapp specifically, of course, come back and join us every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Central Time when he and I ha uh, work out these issues together and talk about the biggest issues of the day from the libertarian perspective. So, so Judge, I get a lot of heat from many of the, the pacifists in the anarchist wing of the libertarian movement because my issue is that it doesn't seem as if there is an articulated policy of defense in order to legitimately act in our own interests in regards to a nation state. Now, if you're an anarchist, obviously the answer is a nation state should not exist. And that's one thing entirely. But if you believe in the Constitution, if you believe in a limited government, even Thomas Jefferson created the, the U.S. Navy and the Marines, for example, to defend Americans from being impressed into the British service and to fight the, the Tripolitan Wars to protect Americans from being sold into slavery, for example. But is that a legitimate lawful use of, of military authority in your mind? Was, was Jefferson right well, well, to create the U.S. Navy? I mean, Yes, 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 of course it is. I mean, um, what the extreme anarchists uh, forget is uh, the freedom of association. So if you and I and our neighbors want to get together, and hire somebody to protect us. Now multiply that out. If 10,000 of us want to hire somebody uh, to protect us, we have the absolute right uh, to do that. They can't initiate aggression, but they can use force uh, to, to protect us. You read the Declaration of Independence, that is the only legitimate function of government uh, to protect life, liberty, and property, not to redistribute uh, wealth. We agree, we, can, we, we give the natural right to self-defense. We give a portion of that away to a government that we trust will only use it for self-defense uh, purposes. Now, no government is worthy of trust, which is why Jefferson believed, uh, and the Constitution actually says, that the budget, the military budget should only be for two years and there should be no standing army and no standing uh, navy. They should be there for when we uh, need them. Um, and, and what happened in Israel is an example of uh, extreme and absurd, unnatural pacifism. Is, is Judge, um, is what Thomas Jefferson incurred, they, uh, let's say, describe a neoconservative. They describe themselves as a liberal who was mugged by reality. Uh, and I, I call a, a minarchist a, a, uh, an anarchist who is mugged by reality, right? Uh, so what am I saying here? I, I'm arguing that Thomas Jefferson was a libertarian who, when be, he became president of the United States, got mugged by reality. In other words, he faced a, a, a conflict of, of challenges that, that tested his views, the ones that you've articulated, the ones he articulated in the Declaration of Independence, when he was faced with the problems of American sailors being enslaved into, you know, British, you know, conscripted into the British military overseas, and of course, raids by the Tripolitan, the Barbary pirates, uh, for which he sent Stephen Decatur 
to fight for us and created the U.S. Navy and such. And of course, he, he created embargo, which was a terrible, uh, uh, had terrible consequences for the people of the United States, which is a great mistake. But is, is this the reality that we libertarians sort of have to face when dealing especially with this conflict uh, in the Middle East or looking at these things, that while we may not advocate for interventionism, that we don't agree with the Lindsey Grahams or the Nikki Haley's of the world, but at some point in time, that if we were an Israeli, if we were someone whose family was killed or beheaded, that it would be a legitimate and lawful use of force to clear out the terrorists from the Gaza Strip, up to and including military force, the death of possibly including collateral damage if necessary. Is that the political reality that we have to face in order to create a coherent libertarian ideology that includes some defense that doesn't state, well, we lay down our arms and we won't fight back? I mean, these are the, the, the conflicts, the things that I'm struggling with, Judge. Help me work them out. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you're you're addressing this from the end point of it, which is what's happening today. The beginning of it is the unlawful removal of an ethnic group from lands that they occupied for 4,000 years uh, and the uh, virtual enslavement of them and then the fanciful expectation that they wouldn't uh, retaliate. Um generations of young Palestinians have been raised to hate the Jewish people because of what the government of Israel has done, not what the Jewish people have done. Um, the government of Israel has traditionally been racist and bellicose, uh, and uh, it is now reaping what it has sown. Now, awesome? can you use force? Of course you can use force to uh, defend yourself. Can you invade another country and root out the violent ones in there before they attack you? After they've attacked you, yes. Uh, can you blow up a hospital? No. Can you blow up uh, an apartment building because good people and bad people are living there? Absolutely not. Uh, this is a very, very difficult process that must be surgical. Uh, and not like a tidal wave. Unfortunately, we will see it like a, a tidal wave. Couple just as the so Hamas sets up their their bases in hospitals for that very reason. So then the proper response would be to act surgically. Then, like the only proper use of force would be then to send actual troops into that hospital rather than to destroy it. Correct. Correct. I mean, the, there are doctors. Well, there are doctors working in the hospital, saving the lives of innocent uh, people, just like there are doctors in Israeli hospitals working to save the lives of innocent people. None of whom had anything to do with this conflict, and all of whom have been injured, slaughtered, harmed horrifically uh, because they were in the crossfire. I'm going to use a dirty word in libertarian circles, Judge. Um, I hope you'll forgive me. What about annexation? Wouldn't a superior way to handle this involve the Gaza Strip being subsumed into the state of Israel and granting the residents of it the full, full human rights that are afforded to Israeli citizens? 
Well, that's a political uh, judgment. I mean, the moral uh, judgment is that people have the right to make these choices for themselves, and the people that live in Gaza would have to uh, consent to the government. This is not something the Prime Minister uh, Netanyahu's government has the remotest uh, interest in, in part because of the truly bizarre uh, coalition uh, that he has formed. By the way, the the hard right Palestinian hating, human denying members of that coalition have been totally silent uh, since uh, Saturday, probably at Bibi's uh, instruction. If the Palestinian people want to be subsumed into Israel, I can't imagine they would, but if they want to be, then of course they can. That's, that's, that's a voluntary annexation, uh, which, which is not a contrary to libertarian theory. An involuntary uh, annexation, I don't think that's what you meant, but if you did, an involuntary uh, annexation is basically uh, what's going on now, by, not, not in the uh, Gaza Strip, but in the West Bank, where Israel just keeps increasing in size. Every time you see a map of Israel, it grows and grows and grows because of the settlements on Palestinian uh, land uh, and the military forces guarding those, uh, those settlements. We just passed Columbus Day the other day, Judge. Happy Columbus Day, as an Italian. Um, it, it seems to me as if, in, in many ways, libertarian philosophy exists it almost as a luxury of modern times in that the people who came before us like christopher columbus or the spanish who conquered the aztecs they weren't really truly ideologues in the way that we think of it in modern times in other words the right of conquest was the was the rule of the day and with the spanish bringing catholicism they settled in in Mexico and in South America, and they civilized those civilizations and prevented human sacrifice and greater uh, greater evils that were being committed in the name of their Mayan and, and Aztec gods. Col- should I mean Columbus have not sailed to America? Should manifest destiny have never occurred? Should the United States have never gone beyond the Appalachians to some extent? It it appears as if to some degree that the United States would be a far smaller, far weaker, or probably not a nation at all in many ways, if our philosophy was applied in a deontological approach rather than a consequentialist one, which I want to get to to in just a moment, Judge, because we're really talking about big brain stuff here. But, you know, the question is, is should Jefferson have bought the Louisiana Purchase? I had a libertarian tell me no the other day, and I have to wonder, is that is that really the right decision? Right. It seems as if if you try and apply something in a deontological way, in other words, the exact same solutions every single time, it it leads to a form of madness versus a consequentialist approach, which is to say that yes, we should apply majority and pr- libertarian principles a majority of the time, but in sometimes, as Angel Macon once said, every normal man must be tempted at times to hoist the spit on his hands, hoist the black flag and begin slitting throats. So talk to me about this in the, the sense of like expansionism, you know, Columbus's yeah. in, and the, the, the colonization of the United States. I've, I've never been tempted to split anybody's throats, even though I too uh, <laughs> like to quote, uh, like to quote um, Mencken. 
the worst thing that New England gave us was not Puritanism. It was February. <laughs> when, it's about, when it's about five below here in northern uh, northern New Jersey. But do you struggle um, with that when you think about Columbus? I do. Legacy, I do struggle with that. And I and I have come to the view that the Louisiana Purchase was unconstitutional. Uh, that the uh, Congress did not have the authority uh, to do that. So in, the, in income retrospect, tax. the income well, the tax. The income tax is constitutional. Well, it's constitutional, but I don't support that. I mean, we should we should abolish that part of the Constitution. We should, uh, in judges, in many ways, I think we ought to try and avoid as many taxes as possible. I say legally only because I'm required to by law. But, but, well, I once wrote a piece. You may have uh, even helped me with it. Uh, back at Fo in our Fox days, entitled, Is Any Part of the Constitution Unconstitutional? Yes. And the, answer is, the answer is yes. The 16th <laughs> and 17th Amendments, the popular election of senators, which destroys the states as a party to the three-sided table of nationhood, people, and states, and the income tax, which puts the federal government right into your uh, bank book or your employer's uh, bank account. Both of those are, even though they're in the Constitution, are absolutely unconstitutional because they're antithetical to the values underlying the Constitution. But things like the Louisiana Purchase are difficult to evaluate now because no one is uh, alive today who was alive then and because we, we are um, a nation that is basically prosperous and for the most part, compared to other nations, free. And I can't imagine what it would America would be like. I don't know where you would be. You're in Missouri. What would be there? I'm in New Jersey, which is one of the 13 original colonies. Colonies. I'm not here because of any virtue that I've have. I have. I'm here because I was born here uh, and stayed here. So I I don't. I can't even imagine what things would be like. Columbus hadn't come here. I I suppose I'd be digging ditches in Naples, Italy. <laughs> So, so, so then you see, so then I think you, you see my point here then, Judge, is that we are, we have the luxury of these principles and of these ideologies and to criticize the great men who come before us and to pick apart the decisions that they had to make in real time. And, and if they had not had the, the cojones to get on a wooden ship and sail by the stars to the United States and take great risk and to sometimes, sometimes fight back and subjugate to an extent civilizations that had a level of barbarity and savagery that would make you and I blush, we would not be here having this conversation right now. It, it, it reeks to me of somewhat of the, the, the same aura that we get from the Black Lives Matter supporters who want to tear down the statues of Columbus. Okay. okay. You know, those those uh, courageous people, Amerigo Vespucci, after whom America is named, Christopher Columbus, the first effective discoverer of the new world. Uh, were basically agents of monarchs who were looking for money uh, and treasure. They were not restrained by law or constrained by uh, constitutional uh, principles. And the end result of what they did was the greater good. Did they slaughter innocents? Yes. Did they destroy a society? Yes. Did they steal land? Yes. Did they steal treasure? Yes. Um, and did they do so in the name of, of a foreign government? Yes doesn't make it right it happens to have had for you and me and everybody listening to us now a happy ending because we were born and have come of age in a society basically free 
and basically prosperous and basically free from the barbarism that uh, that preceded us. So is there a difference between the Jewish people taking lands in Israel uh, and the Anglo-Saxons taking lands from Native Americans? Is there a difference between Gaza and all these uh, tribal lands which, thanks to the great Neil Gorsuch, have been recognized under the uh, Constitution for the first time in history. It's a joke that they were even thought to have been recognized when we were slaughtering uh, their ancestors. Uh, these these are hard questions to answer. There there are no there are no sound uh, answers to them. The world would be very different if these true North libertarian principles, which had been applied uh, in those days. That is not a reason, I'll end with this, not to apply them today. The greatest evil on the planet is government. It is organized violence. It is a monopoly of violence uh, in a given area. And it has the uh, aura uh, of consent and legitimacy, which makes it even more uh, dangerous. And I agree with you, Judge. I agree with you that. completely in what you're saying in terms of the application of our libertarian principles today. And I thank you for your open-mindedness, Judge, and not reacting with uh, anger or revulsion, as so many do when I question these things. I'm. Oh I'm no, a, this is know, many people Austin, do. This is, uh, your your viewers should know that you are a gift to them because of your intellectual understanding of these moral principles and your willingness to discuss them in an open, dispassionate, non-emotional uh, uh, way. Um, and they should be a little bit more uh, patient when you uh, challenge their basic beliefs. Thank you, Judge. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, it's It's been a, a hell of a 48 hours as I uh, have been uh, warring with the anarchists these days. Judge, please, uh, for, for where my principles came from, largely came from you and reading your weekly columns and listening to your show, Judging Freedom. Would you mind previewing us your column as well as your upcoming show? Well, the column uh, refers to a, a phrase that has been unheard of in the history of Anglo- um, American jurisprudence until now, and that is the concept of the forever prisoner. But we learned last week, I'm looking at my uh, schedule for today, forgive me for looking down, we, we learned last week uh, that there is a prisoner in Guantanamo Bay who's been there for 21 years, uncharged, un, uh, untried, and unfree. It's not that the government has uh, has uh, insufficient evidence against them. It has no evidence against them, but it refuses to release him, and they call him the forever prisoner. This is extremely, extremely dangerous, absolutely unheard of, utterly, uh, totally violative uh, of the uh, Fifth Amendment, which requires due process. He has the right to a speedy trial. Been there for 21 years, no charge, no trial. Uh, the other thing in this column is Khalid Sheikh uh, Mohammed, who, after three years of torture, was finally interviewed by an FBI agent who did agents who did not torture uh, him, uh, but they didn't give him his Miranda warnings. They didn't think they had to, even though the interrogation was in 2007 and the Supreme Court ruled in 2004 that Miranda applies wherever uh, the government goes. 
And then the same judge in both cases heard hearings in both cases. What are we going to do with this guy? The government refuses to charge him. What are we going to do with uh, a Khalid uh, Sheikh Mohammed who made some incriminating statements, thinking he was going to be tortured again, believing that behind that mirror were his torturers watching his interrogation with the FBI and about to pop in the room and start pulling his uh, body parts apart. Can that his statements be trusted? Now, you can't believe what happened next. Inconceivable in the American civilian judicial system of which I was once a part. The judge in both cases, who is the fourth judge in both cases, retired. Retired. And now a fifth judge has to come by in both cases. And what must this fifth judge do before he can even hold a hearing on either case? Review the file. And how big is the file? 450,000 pages. This new judge, may God have mercy on him, has to read. <laughs> judge, That's uh, why you... Georges Clemenceau once said, military justice is to justice as military music is to music. But this is not comedy. This is tragedy. And this is destruction of the Constitution by. Thank you, Lindsey Graham. The military commissions you and George W. Bush and Dick Cheney concocted. Read Judge Call, the judge's column at judgenap.com and download and listen to his podcast, Judging Freedom, wherever you get your podcasts. Judge Andrew Napolitano, you are not only the best of the libertarians, you are some of the best of the human race. Thank you for your time. Before sir. I let you go, thank, thank you for that. Uh, Tony Schaefer at 11 mm -hmm. uh, Eastern today and then at 3.30 Eastern today, Scott Ritter. Uh, probably the most courageous person on the planet, analyzing uh, what happened in God, what's happening in Gaza and in Israel as we speak. Thank you, Judge Andrew Napolitano. We'll see you again next Wednesday at 8 a.m. God love you. Thank you. Thank you, Austin. God love you, too. Thank you. Send us a text. What did you think of the judge at 573-319-1586? All right, don't go away. I'm only going to take a minute and a half commercial break. I'm going to go get Matt Mahler. We're going to talk a little bit more about the problems of pacifism on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Thank you for waiting. Good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. We appreciate you tuning in to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Click that like button and subscribe to the channel if you enjoy the content you've heard. And was that a great conversation with Judge Napolitano? I mean, you don't hear stuff like that just anywhere. I mean, the Italian man talking about his con his feelings of conflict over Christopher Columbus and Amerigo Vespucci, right? Where else are you going to have a conversation like that? Only here on the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. I may be a libertarian, and I consider myself to be a pretty hardcore one, but... I'm not an idiot. I know how to think about things sometimes from different angles. And I even question myself. What if I'm wrong? A lot of people have a hard time doing that. But as I get older and, I'm, and hopefully a little bit wiser, I start to realize the limits of my knowledge. And, well, the limits of a lot of other people's knowledge comes in stark relief as well. Joining me now to discuss my problems with the pacifists is combat veteran and hardcore libertarian himself, Matt Mahler, who's joining us on the phone. He's uh, in New York. Good morning. How you doing, Matt? Good morning. I'm doing good. Hey, glad to have you here, bud. Um, so it's been kind of a wild 48 hours uh, with the conflict between Israel and, and Hamas. 
Before we get started, though, can you give us just briefly the the Reader's Digest version of your experience in the Middle East? Yeah, so uh, my opinions don't reflect the Department of Defense, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so I joined the United States Marine Corps after 9-11. Uh, and I served several tours in Iraq, and I have a uh, enduring freedom uh, deployment training the Georgians on all sorts of things. Uh, I deployed from Iraq uh, in 2004 till 2005, and then I went back again in 2006. And uh, I was deployed to the Triangle of Death. For some people, that is a big deal and it matters, but uh, I got a lot of experience there uh, dealing with insurgencies and counterinsurgencies, and then. Uh, I was medically retired in 2013. Okay, good to know. So you know a, a thing or two about what goes on there. Um, so give me your take. I mean, give, just give me your raw, unvarnished take of your response to what we've been seeing in the last few days. Uh, I think Israel doesn't know how to fight a counterinsurgency. Tell us why. Um, well, so <laughs> they're they're not good at the hearts and minds aspect of it you know essentially and and part of it's understandable you know they've been fighting for their survival for you know depending on who you ask it could be thousands of years it could be decades uh but i think they're so bent on revenge at this point that they're forgetting that there are people in gaza and in the west bank that just want to live just like they just want to live right and they're not cultivating relationships with those people to combat uh, groups like Hamas and the Muslim Brotherhood and Al-Qaeda in uh, the Arabian Peninsula and all the other you know, offshoots of radical Islamic terrorists. And so do you think that this attack is the culmination of years of that kind of a policy? I think, look, Israel has like a security state that like the people in Washington, D.C. are yearning for you know um and you crack down on people enough it allows for recruitment of you know people who have something that you know insurgents right like men that have hope of a future they don't destroy society or fight their neighbors all right and israel's rightly so you know uh want to protect themselves is coming down so hard on groups of people that it makes insurgent groups recruiting job easy. You're just tuning into the Wake Up America show. I'm speaking to Matt Mahler. He's a combat veteran and a libertarian himself. Uh, Matt, I'd like to get your take on how the libertarian movement here in the United States has responded to this. You and I have, have kind of had these private discussions in recent years uh, about, well, what I use is the term retardation. And yes, I say it pejoratively to an extent, but also to describe it literally as a slowing down, if you will, or a, you know, a, a lack of a coherent understanding of actual combat in order to formulate what should be a response that is in line with prin- the principles of don't tread on me. I mean, You've sort of faced these same frustrations that I've been expressing on my show in the last few days. I wonder if you could articulate them. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't ever been in a fist fight, let alone combat. Uh, and they, they like to preach from this moral high ground position of like, well, I'm anti-war, but like, what does that mean? You know, 
because they just say, well, I'm anti-war because I went to antiwar.com and Scott Horton said that NATO's doing uh, bad things and that's why I should be anti-war. Like you should be anti-war because innocent people are going to get killed because of squabbling from people in power, right? Not because, oh, well, I read an, I read an article somewhere, you know? And they're so anti-war, as they call it, that like they don't realize there's negative repercussions to that too. Explain that. Like, at a certain point, someone has to take a stand against something, right? And if you look at, like, early anarchists, they intervened all the time, right? They formed groups, and they went to countries, and they fought in revolutions and civil wars, and they involved themselves, and, you know, they ate blasting caps to fight the, you know, like, I'm, I'm going to eat a blasting cap because I don't want to be in this U.S. government prison, right? So, like, this whole pacifism thing that swept over libertarianism is ridiculous, right? And it all stems from when the LP formed and they were like, well, we don't want the government to crack down on us. So we're going to put a little thing in our statement of principles uh, that says we're against, you know, in initiating force, like ridiculous. I mean, to some extent, they're almost advocating for us to hammer our swords into plowshares, even if they don't say that in so many words. Like the libertarian foreign policy is essentially amounts to literally sticking your head in the sand. like. People used to say that libertarians were isolationists, and I would argue and say, no, 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 they're not isolationists, they're non-interventionists. But many are isolationists. And, and the problem with that, of course, is that you run into the same problems that Neville Chamberlain ran into. Am I wrong? Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, look at, look at domestically, right? Because you have anything that happens domestically also applies globally, right? Because humans are the same wherever they go. Right. So like they want regime change domestically because this regime is bad. Right. But when you say, hey, maybe this regime in a foreign country isn't good for human liberty, either like, well, it's not that's not our business. We, we have nothing to do with it. You know, like maybe some places shouldn't have nuclear weapons. Like if your argument is the U.S. shouldn't have nuclear weapons because the government's a monster, like then that should apply to all governments. And me, I live in America. I want America to be the last one to have nuclear weapons. So back to, though, the this question of what is a legitimate moral, not just self-defense, but a national defense, the question you know comes down to there's got to be some kind of a middle ground between a pacifist position and a neoconservative position. But there seems to be a misunderstanding amongst libertarians about what neoconservatism actually is, isn't there? Well, absolutely. I mean, look, and, and the neocons are horrible at like everything that they do. You know, so that I'm not going to be like an apologist for neoconservatism. Mm -hmm. uh, I did put somewhere like neocons aren't wrong in wanting to stop the spread of dangerous ideologies. They're just always late, like too late at doing it. And when they do do it, they suck at it. Right. Like the time to stop the spread of communism was at the end of World War One when they launched the expedition to Archangel and they were backing the white Russians over the Reds like. They should have went all in, and then we wouldn't have had to deal with 50, 60 years of communism globally. Or perhaps right? to but, stop, to, to allow MacArthur to press ahead into China. Absolutely. You know? But they don't think past election cycles, which is a, a fundamental problem of everything in American politics. Well, I, I know I don't have you for very much time here, Matt, um, but uh, it, you've got to leave here in a, at least in a couple of minutes. If you wouldn't mind, though, if you just kind of like 
do you share my frustration though with the the libertarian movement as it is today as it sort of it it is why do we fail to sort of have a, a libertarian foreign policy that's coherent on one hand i i know that, that you've got people out there who are actually rooting for vladimir putin right and i some of them i haven't i haven't seen of them explicitly come out for hamas but you do see you know leftists and socialists and communists doing such a thing but why is there an inability to come up with any kind of a defense is it because most of these people and i, I hate to break it down in these terms but it's because most of these people haven't been punched in the face well i think that's part of it and, and i think another part of it is like they get something out of being like the oppressed minority mm. you know when when they're like well i'm morally superior because i'm oppressed and my ideas are more just than yours and you know woe is me right but they're not actually trying to advance liberty for the most part like well, there's a lot of grift in, in libertarian party circles. Right. Uh, and, and you know that, you know, like when people generally want to affect change, you know, they can't because they're like, well, you don't have a podcast. You don't have a book. You know, who are you? you know? uh, so, you know, you don't have a comedy special, you know? Uh, did you see, Dave, so, did you see Dave Smith was coming at me yesterday? He's such a crybaby bitch. Like, he really is. Like, <laughs> oh, the Iraq war. So I'm better than you. Like, shut up, Dave. Like, stop. Go, go smoke a bowl with, with Joe Rogan. Like, just fucking relax, dude. All right, we're, we're all poking fun. We're all friends here. Friendly fire, friendly fire. I mean, Dave's a good, yeah. Dave's a good guy, but I think he does. He's a comedian. He should be able to take a joke. Exactly. You know? exactly. Right. He should. He should. But they yeah. do. A lot of these times, these anarchists, they cannot take a joke. They cannot. You cannot poke fun of them. They explode. Ironically, like the, the, the pacifist anarchists are some of the most aggressive people I know. Passive aggressive. Yes. <laughs> Matt, I know you got to take your daughter to daycare. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go today? Uh, no, just, you know, everyone keep level heads. You know, uh, if you're praying kind, pray for, you know, the innocent people. And if you're not a praying kind, you know, write your congressman. They're not going to listen to you anyway. Hey, love you, brother. Matt Mahler out there, combat veteran, served the United States, and he still serves the cause of liberty. We appreciate you very much, Matt. All right, take care, man. Thanks very much. That's Matthew Mahler. Let's say thank you to Matt by clicking like and subscribing to the channel. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can weigh in on the show by sending us a text at 573-319-1586. It's 573-319-1586. I got a 200 level IQ joke for you here. I tweeted this yesterday. I said, it's good to be anti-war. It's bad to hammer your swords into plowshares. For when you make rugs and furniture instead of rifles and grenades, the Ottoman Turks will fall and then Hamas attacks Israel and nobody is happy. <laughs> Does everybody know what the hell I'm talking about, right? The Ottoman Turks, right? They made rugs and furniture, Ottomans, rugs, Ottoman and Turkish rugs and stuff like that. They made rugs and furniture instead of rifles and grenades. Then the Ottoman Empire fell. And then after that, Israel attacked Hamas. Okay, fine. It's, maybe it's not that funny. It's a 200. You wouldn't get it, right? It's, you don't get the humor. Fine. I understand. Uh, Johnny Rankin says, nice audience today. AP, don't forget to hit that like button. It has been. It's been over a thousand all morning. <laughs> At 2000 earlier, you love to see it. I'm so excited to have such a big audience at rumble.com. Please do me a favor and subscribe to the channel if you're watching us today and you're enjoying this content. If you didn't necessarily like everything that you heard today, Try again tomorrow because there aren't a lot of great Liberty talk shows in the morning. 
I, I consider myself very much a, a person who likes to, you know, goof around and not take a so serious approach about absolutely everything. Yes, we choose sometimes dark topics and things like that. But I like to make sure that we're all at least while we're staying informed, that we're at least, you know, looking on the bright side of things, trying to find ways to solve our problems that don't involve going to war. And while I may be anti-war, I do think that we don't want to hammer our swords into plowshares. You can text the show at 573-319-1586. Again, text the show at 573-319-1586. It's a big challenge to determine when the appropriate time is and how to defend yourself. This is, I mean, when you look at how the leftists are, are um, how the leftists have responded to this strike, I mean, what a, a joke. Here I see that uh, Mia Khalifa, she's that um, star of adult films, shall we say, she was fired by Playboy after she tweeted in defense of Hamas. I, I, I understand the libertarian mindset uh, when it comes to war on this, but then you have people who are outright supporting acts of terrorism. It makes absolutely no sense to me, and I will never understand that. But I'd love to understand your point of view on these things. Again, send me a text at 573-319-1586. I'd like to play for you again very briefly the words of Vivek Ramaswamy. And I know that there are people who don't care for him. Well, I do like him, and I hope that you might actually warm up to him. This is what I think probably is the best articulation of America First principles when it comes to this conflict overseas. I did play this yesterday, but I think it bears repeating. Take a listen. Alone among candidates running for the Republican nomination for president, Vivek Ramaswamy dared to suggest that actually going to war with Iran might not be in America's national interest. And for saying that, Mike Pence immediately denounced him as gutless and unpatriotic or something. But we thought it might be worth hearing more. Vivek Ramaswamy joins us now. Vivek, thanks so much for coming on. So if I'm reading this correctly, you suggested while offering what seemed like real sympathy um, to the Israeli people, the many murdered there two days ago, you noted that maybe it's not in America's best long-term interest to declare war on Iran. Is that what you said? I actually said this long before this crisis when people were thinking clear-headedly. And I just want to say a couple of things that are obvious but important, Tucker. I mean, what happened against Israel? You said it. I believe it. It is barbaric. It is medieval. Yeah. It is wrong. And Israel as a nation absolutely has the right to self-defense, to its own national existence. And I think they should have our moral and diplomatic support as an ally. But there's one element of this that nobody's talking about what the hell went wrong with u.s and israeli intelligence and the israeli defense that allowed this to happen everybody seems to be punting that as a question for later i think it's a question for now you're damn right it's a question for now give it up for vivek if Donald Trump picks the young Vivek Ramaswamy for his vice presidential pick, I have made the pledge on this show that I will, for the very first time ever, put on a Make America Great Again hat. Corey and Callie over in Rumble says, I like Vivek more and more. Yes, I agree. Um, Barney Sal says, Israel behaves like Palestinians are monsters because Palestinians behave like monsters. Hard to disagree. Grover Bentley says, you know, after she the uh, adult film star, did her first scene with a job. She got so many death threats. 
you think you'd think she would have learned. But I guess somebody who texted in earlier was right when they say it's really about being a victim and maintaining their oppressed status. If they if they don't maintain their oppressed status, then they have nothing else. They'd rather support Hamas and terrorism than North Korea and Kim Jong Un. It reminds me a little bit of the um, uh, the fags, the film actors guild. Remember from the movie Team America: World How Police. How dare you! Uh, Alec Baldwin. The, remember all the Janine Garofalo in that film Team America: World Police, where they're all talking about uh, supporting. <laughs> they're all supporting Kim Jong Un, right? It's that kind of mindset, right? The fags. From Team America World Police. How okay. dare you? All right, Austin, be careful there. All right, it's time for us to say goodbye, or at least almost time. I do want to implore upon you to visit APForLibertyShop.com. Will you do me a favor and just go visit it after the show's over? And here's why. Not just, you don't have to buy anything or anything like that, but here's what I'd like to do. Just a little experiment. I'd like to see how powerful advertising for this show might be so that I can go out and try and bring in some more sponsors. So would you do me a favor right now? Just go to apforlibertyshop.com right now on your uh, phone or on your browser and go and just just shop around, throw some things in your cart. And obviously I'd love it if you'd, you'd buy them, right? There are some coupons in, that you'll see on the website. But I just would like to see how successful I can be in driving traffic from this show to a website. And that'll help me to be able to go to my advertisers and say, hey, look, I can actually drive traffic to your site. Help my small business grow. Help me and my wife's American dream continue to grow. Do something for us for free. Just go to ap4libertyshop.com. And if you have been looking at the Halloween collection, remember, everything's 15% off if you use the code SKULLANDBONES. Do me a favor, visit ap4libertyshop.com right now. Show me that how powerful a sponsorship read is on this show so I can take that to advertisers and say, hey, look, when I tell people to visit a website, this many people will do it. It'll mean a lot to me and my wife as we try and build this small business and spread the ideas of economic freedom and personal liberty. Visit apforlibertyshop.com. Throw some same things in your cart. Maybe check out if you like, but just go and visit for us so we can see how effective these ads can be. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for supporting us and thank you for watching the show. And we hope to see you again tomorrow morning on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com.